Welcome, I'm Andra, and this is the How Do You Know podcast. In this show, we'll learn how to make better decisions and open up our view to everything that's possible. I interview great decision makers to discover how they built and improved their process along the years. I really hope you'll find it useful. Let's dig in. How does working for 30 years in cybersecurity change how you make decisions? The answer is not paranoia, nor retreating from the world to live in a cave in the mountains. My guest today is quite the opposite. Ian Murphy, CEO and founder at CyberOff, is an inspiring human overflowing with kindness and humor. The way he marries pop culture with fundamental principles for staying safe online is hilarious, and his videos are simply unique. I've added the links to these videos in the show notes, so go on, let Ian make your day. And if you stick around for the entire conversation, you'll get to peek into Ian's mind and steal some gems around critical thinking and perception versus reality, the non-boring kind. Ian and I stopped at the intersection between psychology and security and sat down for a friendly talk that removes the technical element and focuses on the human From accountability to navigating confusing and mind-boggling amounts of information, let Ian be your no-bullshit guide to achieving a level of awareness and cyber-savviness that makes you feel really good about yourself. So let's dig in, shall we? So Ian, I'm very um, excited and and honored to talk to you today. Um, I've come across your work uh, and it's been so refreshing and so um, entirely different from everything else that I've seen around cybersecurity awareness in the space. So um, given your experience both in the industry and your experience in general with a lot of deep psychological aspects of human nature when they meet security and technology. Um, That makes me extremely excited and curious to talk to you today. So I wanted to kind of dig right in and ask you, what do you think makes it so difficult for people to connect emotionally to online security issues? Uh, I, I, I think it, a lot of it are our biases. You know, we have a bunch of cognitive biases that really make it difficult to be honest with ourselves, really make it difficult to accept that we may be fallible, even though we are. Um, and, and I think, uh, I think put several of those biases aim to trip us up because we are built to be helpful. We are built to be sociable. We are built to be trusting. Without any of those things, you can't build a society. But also, we're, we, we're built to think we're better than others, which is a strange thing, really. It's where we, we're not honest with ourselves, is that the cognitive bias of it'll never happen to me um, really stops people thinking that they need some basic protection on their on their laptop they need to uh, think about how they select and use passwords they, they they need to think about who they allow to use their laptop or their work laptop when when they're not there because most of the time um we console ourselves with with this bias of thinking um it, it'll never happen to me because i'm because i'm too clever i'm too smart i'm whatever it may be that is so absolutely true. And I think we're hopefully going to unpack this answer into uh, more of the elements that make it. Um, but before we go there, 
you've recently, relatively recently, um, launched CyberOff. You you founded a new company. How did you decide to do this? Because you have an incredible track record in security. You've basically seen it all at at this point. Uh, so I was curious, what drove you? to choose this specific, let's say, area um, of the information security industry to focus on? I think um, several several things came together at once. I think it became a perfect storm. COVID, COVID hit. I was part of the COVID volunteers group on LinkedIn doing some threat intelligence uh, analysis and, and leading the threat intelligence team to provide, uh, to, to provide newsletters and information to uh, healthcare trusts across the UK and and wider Europe, and a lot of that work just struck me that we were sending the same thing week in week out to people. You know, uh, phishing attacks are on the rise. Don't click on this. This type of COVID scam is is happening with without any of the real sophistication that people try and make you think in the news that these attacks carry. You know, because. Because some of them may be sophisticated in their approach, but a lot of them still use the same tactics. A lot of them still use the same techniques, and it got me. It got me thinking: Why do we? Um, why do we keep falling for it? So, so I started to investigate that a bit more. I, I think also as well as that, within cybersecurity, we we have this terrible thing within cybersecurity of thinking, coming back to those biases, thinking we're better than everybody else and we know better. Uh, and and we wear that technical badge with a lot of pride, and and it's really difficult because you'll get into a technical discussion with somebody else in security, and and it's almost as if they want to prove that they're technically superior than than you are. So I, I wanted to reduce that down to a uh, to, down to a non technical conversation and a non technical level because. You know, I have a technical background, but I don't do technical stuff anymore, but I did do back in the day. So, you know, these guys who are doing capture the flags and these guys who are really good at doing all this social engineering and all those other bits and pieces, I don't want to get into a technical argument with them because I am too old to get into that technical argument with them. They'll beat me with their, their, you know, uh, their, their experience or, or, or their course they've just passed that they wanted to say how great they are on. Um, but also as well, the common denominator in all this is, is us. At the end of the line, I don't mean security professionals, I mean us as human beings. And tapping into those things again of trust, society, being helpful, these are what the attackers use to try and launch their attacks and become successful. Um, so so I, I dug into my past, and my past has grown up in, in Liverpool in the 80s, 70s and 80s when there was mass unemployment, um, uh, and 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 there was really a, a huge economic downturn in northern cities and towns in in the UK, where lots of the previous industries that that, that were there were disappearing uh, for one reason and and another. Um, and what got us through that was humour. Humour got us through it. Humour made the dark times really really bright and really funny. And I look back on my childhood with fondness, you know, because everybody was laughing, everybody. Even though we had nothing, even though we were in poverty, it didn't feel like poverty. It felt like the best childhood ever. And and I kind of thought, well, can can I bring that to the fore? Can I help people understand the difficult and complex by making it funny? Because if you ask somebody who the best teacher was at school, they'll very rarely point to the teacher who made them 
uh, fearful of stuff, who 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 was a little bit grouchy. They'll point to the funny teacher more often than not, and they'll remember that funny teacher's name, and they'll remember the stuff the funny teacher did. Same as comedians, you know. I can one of my biggest hero, heroes is Billy Connolly. You know, I can remember most of his sketches word for word. Very similarly, Monty Python. I can remember most of their sketches word for word because it made it funny, it made it memorable, and if if um, laughter and hilarity can make things memorable, then surely they can make these complex things memorable. And 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 that was just the kind of that was the perfect storm that brought it all together. Mm, thank you for sharing that. I, I especially love the idea of focusing on things that don't change because that's what cyber criminals and scammers do. They're focusing on things that don't change about human nature. So we might as well kind of follow a similar path to. Um, to be able to build our own resilience against these things and, and kind of educate ourselves on a basic level and, and gain some of that literacy that we desperately need to survive and, and thrive in this society. And your note about humor, I think, is especially valuable because in the past year, we might have forgotten a little bit that we need more of that and we might even feel and this comes from it's it's a personal thing it, it it might even feel like it makes us a little bit guilty that we we're having fun sometimes in specific moments during kind of the, the, this entire thing that's going on so um i i think that celebrating con, kind of constructive humor that helps us um it just it, it it brings up all of those good things within us um, to me, that is very, very valuable. And one of the things that you mentioned is that um, you kept repeating, you you saw all of these things throughout your research last year that kept repeating. And I'm sure that you've seen a lot more of that throughout your career so far. So how do you deal with maintaining motivation when you have to see the same things over and over and over again for decades? Because it, it, it gets to you. How do you keep your motivation and avoid becoming cynical? Because it, it happens and it's it's kind of built within human nature to have a tendency towards that. Yeah, it's a really good question. I kill kittens. That's how I cope with it. No, I don't. Listen, I don't, I don't kill anything. I don't kill kittens. No, so I, I, I'll, I'll be getting hate mail now. Um, so uh, humour, really, you've got to have a, a, a large dose of humour because you're right over the past. I, I got into security in 1992, so it's nearly 30 years now, right? And over those 30 years, not a lot has changed. Technologies have and have improved, but um, but but the, there hasn't been much change in in how attacks happen, how they kind of get spotted by accident. You know, if if anybody thinks that's rubbish, I've got a seam and I've got this and I've got that and I've got this latest AI, blah, blah. Go and read The Cuckoo's Eggs. Go and read The Cuckoo's Egg by Clifford Starr. And that story is as new today as it was back in 80. 87, I think it was maybe when he wrote it, but it was late 80s anyway. And Cliff's story is that he was a he was an admin of a of a university network and he noticed an administrating error on the charges for that network and, and you had to pay for your network time back then. And through investigating that, through that small error that wasn't indicative of anything else, he he tracked down the an, an attacker. Now I'll leave the story there because actually it's 
it's better when you read the book and stuff. But he tracks down an attacker. Now, tell me that doesn't sound like 99% of, of these so-called sophisticated attacks when they track it back to something and, and they try and do attribution. Actually, he successfully did attribution, which is a really difficult thing to do anyway because most people just either say Russia or China because they're, they're kind of safe in the knowledge that they think they're the bad guys, you know. So, And, and it's really lazy thinking, um, to, to be quite honest. But oh, over that time, you know, I've seen... I've seen new technologies come when they haven't worked. I've seen them change the name slightly or change their approach. IDS is a perfect one, intrusion detection systems. You know, when it wasn't really working for people, they changed the D to a P called the protection or prevention, you know, and, and then churned out a whole new lot of market nonsense to try and sell the same thing in a slightly different guise, you know. Um, and, and it happens time and time again, you know, firewalls, next generation firewalls, you know, unified threat management. It's all just, it, 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 becomes, it becomes really difficult for people to know what they should be using and how they should be using it because, because sometimes marketers, when they're left alone in a room without any adult supervision, come up with this type of nonsense, you know, whether it's AI fueled or, you know, and I'm, I'm going to go on record now and say there's no such thing as artificial intelligence as people understand it today. It's machine learning. It's really good math. It's algorithms. But it's not artificial intelligence the way people foresee it as a, a Terminator type approach with things thinking for themselves and doing some kind of really good stuff. And also, Think on this. If if other people have AI or ML, don't you think the attackers have that stuff as well? It is absolutely true. So a couple of things. First of all, I'm going to add that book for anyone who's listening in the show notes. Um, and uh, I, I highly recommend it as a very good read. Um, you mentioned something around that it's difficult and confusing to make decisions in a space where there are so many technologies with so many fancy names uh, and it's difficult to know what's behind them, even for people who work in the industry. Let's not even touch on regular internet users who have to deal with everything. And in hindsight, it's easy to, it's, it's easier to see which of these things work and which don't because experience teaches you many things. But how do you deal with having to make a decision around your own security? So you build your setup at home um, and because you're probably, you know, people who are more inclined to deal with technology might pay a little more attention to the space. So they have to start choosing something. And something that I saw recently and that really stuck with me <laughs> because as a marketer, I have to sometimes shift the perspective to make sure that I'm in tune with what people actually want and need. And someone said that if you looked out, if you look up a recipe online or anything else that you need in terms of information, you're not going to necessarily get the best information, but the ones that most uh, optimize for that search engine. Yeah. So without the ability to have hindsight, maybe with low to maybe non-existent digital literacy or security literacy, how can people find an anchor to start with? It, 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 it's a really great question, you know, and, and I think, I, I think you, the, there's lots of um, government-based information out there. So whichever country you're in, 
there's no doubt. I mean, for, for the UK here, we have an NCSC, you know, so our kind of um, National Cyber Security Centre, and they put out lots of great information uh, on the basics and, and on how to get yourself set up at home. Um, if if you're on LinkedIn and you want that kind of advice, I, I've, I've always found something like LinkedIn to be a really good community to, to help others when they're reaching out for that kind of advice. Twitter less so. I find Twitter is more of an echo chamber for morons, if I'm being honest with you. Um, not that not that everybody on this, I'm on Twitter as well, but I, I, I think sometimes Twitter is one of those things that uh, can can really go off off piste really quickly, you know, if, if context yes. is missed. <laughs> and context is often missed in, in the written word. Um, and, and that's where I've seen people get into really, really big arguments about technical prowess and things like that. So... You know, one person's firewall and VPN on Twitter might be another person's IP tables and blah, whatever it may be, you know, and, and, and then you're arguing between opinions. I, I, I think, um, I, I think I'd, I'd always look for more, more of the government sanction type stuff. Then, then I'd look at, um, who, who maybe are those top personalities maybe on, not so much personalities, but top, Kind of uh, bloggers or writers or, or 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 post on things like LinkedIn, um, who don't really have a thing to sell. You know, I, I I did something on firewalls and VPN not so long ago in one of my videos, and somebody some somebody accused me of selling VPNs. I'm like, I'm I'm not selling anything. You know, <laughs> I'm not selling anything of that. Uh, so so I'm just trying to give info. Which goes to show you can't please all the people all of the time um and, and, and get three three or four opinions you, you're right as soon as you put something into into google or, or whatever your flavor of search engine you're going to get whatever's paid that amount of money to get the best seo to finish on the top half of that first page right um outside the adverts um so so it's really difficult uh the, the recipe is a really good one you know because um uh, ju- just this weekend, I was I was cooking roast dinner, and and I, I googled how long should I cook a, a, a leg of lamb. I got four different answers for the temperatures and the you know. So it's um, it's it's all about opinions. It's really difficult. The more the more scope we have for this information, the more difficult I think we'll, we'll get into that analysis paralysis point of view where we'll never make a decision. Exactly, and it takes a real toll on our cognitive state it just even the more tired we are the more we're bombarded with information the less we're able to keep our minds clear and focused and i think we've all felt this especially throughout the past year um and your advice about following the right people i think it really helps because it kind of builds a steady stream of information that you get even when you're not looking and i found that that's kind of one of the best way to slowly build your um, let's see knowledge in a certain field, even if it's minimal, that minimal kind of ballpark, very, uh, very condensed nugget of information can really go a long way um, in, in the long run. Um, so uh, thank you for, for that advice, especially because people are um, have become suspicious of the, let's say, the authority and authenticity of information in general, even when it comes from reputed sources. So um, building that critical thinking muscle to be able to 
tell these things apart, to separate them and not to fall into either, let's say, extreme, that is going to, in my opinion, be one of the critical skills that we'll need to navigate the world uh, in the next few years and whatever come next. Um, and speaking of this decision-making process, uh, if you look back when you started working in security, how have you seen your own decision-making process evolve the more you were exposed to technologies and situations and um, kind of these this complicated affair that information security is where it sits at the intersection of geopolitics and uh, corporate affairs and a bunch of other things, basically everything that goes uh, into a company. So how did you feel your own decision-making process changed throughout these stages? I, I think I, I was kind of lucky. I, I, um, I did an apprenticeship when I left school in the UK. So I, I trained to become a mechanic for four years. And during that four years, so, so when, when kids are at school, there's a, there's a relationship that is hierarchical in nature. You know, there's you and your teachers. Or, if, or, or now kids, I say kids because I'm 50 this year, but now my son's just going to university, right? So, so kids will, will go to university and maybe do a degree, two degrees, or maybe even a degree, a doctorate, or a degree and a master's degree. So they're not coming out of university much be, before their mid-20s. And, and I think that that kind of does hamper decision-making because, because you're never in that workplace and, and you're, never, you're never in that peer-to-peer relationship with adults. You're always in a hierarchical relationship with adults, even in university. Your peers are your your own age still, the same as they, they were in school. And I found that when I did my apprenticeship, that, that allowed me to kind of grow. It allowed me to make mistakes. It allowed me to make those decisions, you know, and 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 that then I then did another apprenticeship on, on the back of that because um, I joined the Ministry of Defence. So they kind of put me through there apprenticeship for, for a year, even though I'd done one previously. And and I went to work in, in shipyards in, in the UK, again, very similar in a huge engineer. And and, and again, it, it, it further allowed you to make decisions. And, and and if you stepped out of that those decisions and made bad ones, you knew about it because somebody would tell you about it and tell you in the most inappropriate way as well. <laughs> and But again, it comes back to the humour and it comes back to... To, to that that upbringing you know you can't say the kind of things that were said to me as an apprentice now because it's against a whole bunch of different social norms to to, to do that stuff and I think we lose a little bit in that where where we you know uh, we we can't um we we can't use certain types of language yeah and I'm not talking about any of the isms but but you know I I, I would I've I've been swore at in the face. I, I I think if you do that to somebody today, you're likely to be charged with or, or accused of bullying and things like that. And I think looking back, it possibly was bullying, but but it it it, it didn't feel like that to, to me at that time. You know, it, it felt as if somebody was trying to help me be better, and and maybe that's the mindset to allow decision making to to grow and that G, that muscle to grow i think you've got to be open to being told that something's wrong you know in in, in a society now where where when you take part in school sports days that everyone's a winner it just quite clearly isn't true right 
the one who's the winner is the one who crosses the line first. Everybody else is not the winner. And and I think when we get that reality and we're a little bit honest, not just with ourselves, but our children and our friends and things like that, I think you you foster better decision making, you know. Also as well, don't get me wrong, I, I don't want to sound like an archaic dinosaur either. I understand you can't shout and you can't scream and you can't swear at people. I get that, right? I, I I was a footballer as well. I spent a lot of time as a as a footballer professionally and semi-professionally. So I've been in enough dressing rooms to understand what is and is not acceptable too. And 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 I think I I think in today's climate, I think what's happening is kids are in school longer through university. And when they come out, I think they're almost Three, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years behind where when I came out of school and I went into the workplace, you know, and I think there's a lot of up there to 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 help that decision making process because those early years for me give me an ability that I I always call my gut feeling or some people call a spidey sense, but it's something I want to do at Cyber Office to help people's cyber savviness to give them that good feeling to know when something is right or wrong, you know? And I think I think all of that and my background make that up, as well as the nearly 30 years of experience now. But, but I've even in those early days in the Ministry of Defence and being in security and, um, you, you know, I, I, I thought I was always... Um, I was always making decent decisions because of because of that really early uh, grounding from my apprenticeship. You drew from so many areas. I I I just stood here uh, nodding and and thinking about a lot of things while also listening to you. You've mentioned just a, a couple of things that I wanted to touch on that you mentioned. In terms of building accountability for ourselves, because I feel like that is one of the most powerful mechanisms that we can have. And it's difficult to build by yourself. It's difficult to hold yourself accountable all the time because we only have so much willpower um, and it's just our biological makeup and there's nothing we can do about that. But um, we can definitely build that accountability, like a system into in, in our lives. Did you have someone like this? Because I feel like, having someone to keep you accountable, whether it's a friend, a parent, a relative, whoever it is, or a mentor, uh, that is very powerful. But it definitely implies that trust, very deeply trustful relationship between two people. Did you have someone like that in your life throughout your life, or maybe in, in particular stages of your life that it really made a difference? Yeah, at many different stages, you know. Um, I, I, I was always drawn to older, experienced people, whether it be in my work life or, or my personal life, and I always wanted to learn from those people. Um, and, and I think looking back through, throughout my life, you know, whether it's whether it's my apprenticeship in engineering, whether it's my time in the Ministry of Defence, whether, whether it's um, my time as a footballer, there's always been experienced people to learn from. And I would sit down and listen to them, you know, and I would ask them questions. And and, and I think also having a, a really good circle of friends and family and loved ones who, who are not afraid to to bring you down to earth. And and again, that's where humour comes in, you know, because, because a, a lot of that is driven through humour. A lot of it is driven through it, – it's a way to be held accountable without really um, – 
without really offending somebody and showing them that that you love them as well enough to make that comment to ground them, you know, because you can do it through humour. Without Humour is a massive defensive mechanism for possibly 99% of men in the world, to be quite honest, you know, where they don't want to show their emotions. Um, but but my, my, my friends were, were brilliant and are brilliant still. You know, I've had the same friends since I was a, since I was a child uh, and are brilliant still, and they'll always bring me down to earth no matter what what happens my family you know my wife just just awesome in in bringing me down to earth and putting some reality because you know if if you ever think you get too big for your boots or you start believing the hype of what people may say on social media platforms which folks isn't real world don't believe the hype you know it it just it's it, it's nice to have that that sane voice in in the room, and, and and I think you know through throughout history, pick any of the pick any of the narcissistic leaders or or famous people that just have a, a surrounded by yes men, you know, where where nobody is giving them the reality. It's the emperor's new clothes. Nobody's turning around and going, yeah, that's not a great idea to do because they're fearful that they'll be out the entourage or they'll be out the clique or they'll be, you know, and, and again, that's, that's one of those biases, right? Um, where, where we're all in that, we're all in that clique, we're all in that social thing, whether that be at school, the cool kids or whatever it may be. And if one of them's doing something wrong, you don't want to say that in case you get kicked out of that. And, and, and I was always, I was and have always been one of the ones to turn around and pull one of my mates to the side and go, yeah, that, that 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 was out of order there. Don't don't do that again. And they they they've been the same with me. So so I think that's a, a massive grounding as well, you know. And it's such a valuable example as well. The one that you said we're always pulled between these two forces to fit in and to stand out, which also might be challenging the status quo and how things are generally done. And we're so, I, I felt this tension myself many, many times is you, you still want to cultivate some relationships further, but you don't necessarily agree with their actions. So it's, it's always a balancing act, but having these people that you know you can trust. And it is absolutely impressive that you've had friendships that are this long lasting. I don't think that it, it's it's kind of a rare thing, but a wonderful one. Uh, and it takes a lot of work to cultivate these relationships through thick and thin and to, to stand by each other as everyone evolves at their own pace and in different ways. So thank you for this this valuable point um, about accountability and, and building these trusting relationships and allowing ourselves to be seen and, and to have our behavior reflected in ways that may not agree with our opinion of ourselves, but that's how we actually gain awareness and not just use those biases to reconfirm what we already believe, uh, which is a very slippery slope. And speaking of um, kind of reinforcing existing beliefs, you're doing a fantastic job with your work right now to make cybersecurity aware, uh, awareness to, to kind of build pop culture into that and to really mix it in a way that's that goes beyond that echo chamber that you were mentioning earlier, that goes beyond the industry. And what I see looking at younger generations is that most of the content they consume is infotainment or entertainment directly. So do you think that for these generations, is it 
is is having a fun and entertaining approach may be one of the only ways to appeal to them or it's it's kind of a, I know it's a very hypothetical question but I'm wondering if if infotainment will not lead to overuse I guess into them uh just becoming you know turning a deaf ear on everything related against let's say more serious uh topics like security and privacy and a lot of other things that are going on yeah i i think sadly it's it's here to stay right you know i i i i don't watch them but but i i put my head in my hands and shake my head when when i see see the next series of big brother or love island or stuff like that but it's it's not for me right i I, but that's okay i understand it's not for me but it doesn't mean that i can't appreciate what they're trying to do there by by getting people on board and and things like that and and i think that's part of of where we're failing and have failed in security and making people aware and and the, the, the other thing is I, I don't like the tag awareness, right? I don't know why, but the, the, that, that's why I talk about cyber savviness um, because I'm, I'm aware I shouldn't drink a lot and I should eat healthily and I should exercise. I don't do it, but I'm aware of it, right? So it, it, if I'm telling people to be aware of don't click links and, and, and then they click it, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's that same thing. But what I want to, to be able to do is use that infotainment to make it small bite-sized chunks of that information and make it repeatable as well. So, you know, I may do a, a, a song, the Vanilla Ice Wrap, that talks about passwords. I then may do another video that reinforces that password bit because you can't have uh, enough of that reinforcement. And, 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 and if you make it interesting for people to watch it, I, I keep saying to people when, when we're having discussions, if you want your people to sit up and take notice, give them something worth watching. And, and I think when, when people um, um, are putting content out at the moment, um, I, I, think, I think they're missing the mark. There's one or two that do it really well, I think. Um, but I think a lot of them are missing the mark because a lot of it is condescending, a lot of it is talking down to people, a lot of it is quite boring in the delivery. And when you've got somebody with real estate in their hand that they're carrying around with them everywhere, that's where they want to consume this information. And they may not want to sit on their corporate laptop and and watch it. They may not want to do it because uh, it they may consider it, it isn't safe for work or, or people may think that they need to need to censor certain things when which always makes me scratch my head because the attackers don't censor anything. The attackers will use similar language. And I think that's one of the reasons why why um attackers are are most successful because they're talking to people or they're addressing people in areas that they need to be addressed in. So they're touching those points. Yet we're very fearful of going toe-to-toe with them and fighting them on those fronts because, because we may offend somebody in HR somewhere. And, and I don't get it. I really don't get that fear of somebody taking offense versus somebody losing an identity or somebody gaining access into a network because, because the attackers happen to get got them to, to click on a link or download something or you know, so so really really don't get that approach. So when people's attention is spread everywhere, 
you've got to, when they give you that attention and they're gifting you that attention, you best use it really, really timely and well. And, and I think when they gift you that attention for another awareness campaign or another awareness video, if you're going to show them the nonsense that you've shown them before and they haven't engaged in it, then shame on you because you're not doing anything different. Doing what you've always done and expecting different outcomes is the very definition of insanity. You know, yeah, we still do it time and time and time again. So, so, so that's where I'm really coming from. And I, I, and that's why I use entertainment and that's why I use my background of, of what made me laugh as a kid because it made 90% of the, and, and that still makes 90% of the country laugh now, you know, whether it's, whether it's funny phrases, whether it's toilet humor, whatever it is, when when people, and, and what I try and do in the videos, I try and make me the proxy for their previous mistakes. So I try and make it look as if I'm making the mistakes so they can go secretly to themselves, oh, I did that last week, but I don't have to admit to it because because that idiot on video is, is taking the blame for me, you know? Um, and, and I just try and bring all of that together in in those three, four, maybe five minutes at, at the outside clips that take people a little bit away from the corporate environment, give them a laugh, especially in these in these lockdown measures, and give them something to, to remember as well because that's where the engagement happens. And I get people coming back to me time and time again saying, you know, I, I remember that bit in your rap, I remember that bit in your video, I remember that bit in that song. And, and I forget I stick certain things in the videos as well or, or my team and I stick certain things in the videos. So... It's nice that other people spot another stuff. It's it's a bit like watching your favorite TV show and then having someone to debate that those bits with because it becomes pop culture itself. So I, I it's and one thing that I wanted to mention is that your videos they resonate with people far beyond the UK. So I'm, you know, from a different part of Europe and that it, it still resonates a lot. It they have this universal appeal because we've all there are there are very thoughtfully picked um sequences, let's say from pop culture that have had a massive, massive impact and that most people can definitely empathize with really fast. And your approach is I found a more a much healthier way um, alternative than using fear, uncertainty, and doubt to make people feel like you mentioned bad about themselves, to make them feel inadequate, incompetent, and not able to do this because you're never. It's it's not the negative reinforcement that oh this is something can I I can do I'm going to invest time and resources to get better at this. It's no this is something I can do, but it's kind of mandated by my company, so I'm gonna do the bare minimum to just get through with it, and that's it. Um, and definitely, you know, that's not going to leave um, any lasting impression or results. Um, also, Valandra, if if you take a take a scenario where people talk about losing their identity or maybe having their bank account emptied, right? Where if you use fear to do that, people are just going to switch down because they don't want to countenance that happening to them. It will never happen to me. Again, is the cognitive bias that plays there. But if you make it really elaborate and you make it really stupid and you make it – so in one of my videos, I talk about um, uh, if, if, if you click on the link, then uh, somebody from the Russian mafia 
will get your identity, they'll get a passport, they'll fly over to the UK, they'll kill you, they'll marry your family, they'll adopt your children, they'll bury you in a ship. So and I know it's dark and it's slightly fearful. However, it's not meant to scare anybody. It's meant to take the elaborate nature of of the, the nonsense of what people think will never happen to me and, and help ingrain it in their psyche without saying to them, if you do this, you, here's a terrible consequence that that will happen. So you can use fear as an emotion, but you can couch it in humor and help that delivery mechanism maybe help and it sticks at the back of somebody's mind. I, I think I called the, um, uh, the, the Russian mafia guy Oleg or Ego, I, I think, which is terrible, terrible um, stereotype. And I understand that. It's like if somebody says to me about my surname, Murphy, which is a very Irish name, you know, it's terrible stereotype. And, but I think it helps, it helps it stick in people's mind without, without making them frightened about it, you know? And once you have that layer, you can delve, build on new ones and, and help people go beyond these stereotypes and, and actually understand what's going on. But because things are so abstract and we're still, we still have a brain that needs to feel and experience things, who still has issues dealing with abstract, untouchable things, um, it's, it's going to take a lot of time. It's simply that we're... And, this is an old thing in the cybersecurity industry, but given that listeners are not necessarily from it, I think it's worth mentioning that we're evolving at two speeds. Technology has a much different speed that human nature has, uh, which evolves very slowly in comparison. And then it's the two speeds of defenders and attackers in cybersecurity as well, um, because defenders have all of these corporate obstacles and perceptions and not being able to collaborate because of their competitors and so, so many other things that cyber criminals do not have because they can do whatever they please to further their um, their goals one way or another. So how do we, as, let's say, people who understand these things and who have, um, who, who naturally connect with these things around security and privacy uh, because we're passionate about the ethics of it, the goals, um, because it plays into our desire, as you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, to help other people. That's one of the main things that got me into cybersecurity. Um, how do we build that storytelling ability? You have an incredible ability to tell stories and to be funny and to uh, do this very naturally. Did you do it with intent? Was it just something that happened because of the, let's say, cultural setting that you were in? Um, I, I, I think I've always been the joker in the dressing room, right? I've always been the one who tries to outdo my friends with the stupidest comment when we're when we're out having a drink or socialising. I, I know <laughs> I know that seems like a very long time ago, but I'm hoping we'll all get back to doing that really soon. So, so it, it's it, it's always been. I think part of my psyche to try and make the stupid comment or make the the witty quip or or to be really quick with coming back with 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 a witty quip, you know. And and again, I, like I said, a, a lot of my background in the eighties is watching and listening to great comics of the past and and things like that. Where I think that naturally gives you an approach to things to try and see the funny side in it. Um, and and that's generally what I try and do. I I I don't think I, I I think what happened is that perfect storm I described earlier on. 
has allowed me to to find that voice and use a platform with that voice to to express it. Um, I, I'm not doing it really for egotistical things. You know, look at me, I'm brilliant, aren't I funny? Um, but I, I do think I've got a lot of experience and a lot of things to say, and I think I've got a way of delivering it that resonates with people. Uh, and like you, you know, I I got I fell into cyber security in the early nineties, but it just felt it felt right. Uh, and and my desire is to help people. You know, my desire is to help people stay safer online, to to help their and improve their cyber savviness. And and I think when all those things start clicking into place, it just it just feels right. Um, and and that's the only way I can describe it. Really, is it just feels right, and it feels that. Um, I'm I'm on the right track for for whatever whatever the future may hold. You know, for me, I'm I'm for cyber off, and and that isn't you know grand grand ideas of making billions and stuff like that. Or, or it's just having fun, and we really are having fun. You know, it, it, I feel a bit of a fraud because the videos I do, I think I get more fun out of it than than most people. I think the team that I work with, the the back office team that I work with, to develop the videos and produce them and write the scripts and things like that, because they are loosely scripted, right, is to um, – it, it's almost a competition where I think they they think, let's come up with this outrageous idea. Will, will he say no to it this time? And, and I haven't yet, you know. Uh, and, and I've got one coming out tomorrow, which is um, – well, possibly this that, that that will mean nothing when this podcast comes out. But when as we're recording this, I've got one coming out on LinkedIn tomorrow, which is possibly my most double entendre laden video to date. I think that's the best way. Oh, that's very, <laughs> that's very exciting. I, I'm super curious to see it. Uh, and I'll definitely add all the links to all of the videos to to these show notes, so so people can get a taste of what. Uh, you know, educating yourself on cybersecurity issues can be and how much fun and, and empowering and just something that really makes you feel good. And like you mentioned, that that internal alignment that makes us feel good as well. I think that, that that's what a lot of people are craving right now. Um, many of them are looking for that alignment that gives you purpose, that gives you satisfaction from your work, and that helps you connect with others who... Um, kind of bring out the best in you. And I feel that cybersecurity sometimes does that. Um, and if we are to look at things from, if we're to kind of fundamentally switch perspectives, because we talked about cyber criminals and I've seen that people react, have the most, let's say, intense reactions when I tell them the story from the attacker's angle or when I do my best because I'm never going to be able to fully kind of embody that, that, um, you know, lack of morality, (laughs) complete lack of morality or boundaries. So what do you think people kind of presume about others? Uh, Like not that my data is invaluable, but Someone else would never actually do this, although they do constantly. We just don't see them and they're just not, the results are visible sometimes, um, but we don't see them acting with that complete lack of any kind of awareness that they're doing this to another human being. So what would you tell them 
is possible in that sense. Um, just to kind of stretch that understanding of things that are actually possible that actually happen, which we, because of our biases, we just mm. don't even think about. I think um, if, if if it's talking about war stories of people losing data or or or, or having uh, having savings taken or or the romance scams and things like that. There's enough of that stuff out there where people should realise that um, that it does happen, and, and it happens to ordinary people, you know. Um, uh, but 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 also as well, I, I think a, a lot of it. You mentioned the word there, presumption, um, and and there's a really good book by uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Now Malcolm Gladwell's wrote has, has written several really good books. One of his latest ones is called Talking to Strangers. And it's about those presumptions that, or, or those inbuilt biases that you have that really, um, really come back to, to have dire consequences. Um, and, and I think it's, it, it, it's, it's an, it was an intriguing, I would say read, but I listened to it. I, I got it on Audible. Um, um, I, I used to do a lot of traveling, so I used to listen quite a lot to to a lot of books. And, and I think for anybody who wants that idea that you know we we wouldn't do that or or we would never think that way or we would never behave that way, he he offers he offers several several ideas that actually were only really uh, one step away from that type of stuff because it's about the background that we grow up in, it's about the people we surround ourselves with, it's about those inbuilt biases that that media and all of that that comes into our information filtration system in our brains and and how we how we deal with those things you know and and he i, I say he he's got several upsetting stories in there where people have been on the wrong end of of those biases um for for no other reason than than you know these these other people who are per, perpetuating these things or, or doing it um, from their background as well. So, so it's it, it's a really in, intriguing read or, or, or listen. And and I think I think it makes me then want to find out from it not only a psychological point of view but also an anthropological point of view of of why we behave the way we behave and why we do those things and why we why we do think it will never happen to us, you know. Um, and and then. And then why we do think that actually the only way we're going to get people to sit up and take notice is to scare the pants off them. And 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 I think I think that's all all that kind of not the bad old world, but but that's where that's where we currently are. That's that's what we currently do, that's how we currently address these things. I think again, coming back to what I want to do, I, I want to turn that on its head and I want to actually make people aware of this stuff without scaring the living daylights out of them with entertaining with that infotainment you know and and i think um i think it's important that we try something different um because we've tried all the other stuff and um we we still keep falling for i'm i'm and i'm not saying that the way i do it or, or the way that I'm doing it if other people adopt it will eradicate that. I'm not saying that at all because actually we're carbon-based life forms and and we're inherently idiots, right? 
all of us, and I include myself in that, who are all one click away from notoriety. We really are. Um, There's another great book called The Confidence Game by Maria uh, Konnikova, I think it is, um, which talks about how, how cons work and the five or six different stages within a con and how anybody can fall for the con with the right bait, with the right emotional cues, with the right... Uh, with, with the right circumstances in their emotional background. You know, the, this is how romance scams work. Romance scams work because people are desperately seeking romance. They don't want to be alone. They, they, you know, people function better in 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 groups or or, or have a purpose when they're do, uh, doing it with, with somebody that they love. So people want this, and, and that's a huge emotional pull. And that's what attackers play on, you know, and, and they understand this. And they and they've got it off to a fine art. So so I think it's 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 using those types of information, using those types of triggers, using that type of knowledge to to help other people stay safe. Thank you for this comprehensive uh, perspective. You captured so much in here, uh, and I'm really, you know, looking forward not to just sharing this with with the people who need it, but also kind of giving them a glimpse into someone's, you know, a mind like yours who sees so many aspects and connects to other humans so deeply and authentically and and naturally um, without making this feel forced. Um, And by basically tapping into, into that need for connection and for safety, which is so fundamental to us, but sometimes we don't realize it uh, when we're in these kind of, abstract uh settings where we're not used to being because our let's face it the internet has only been around for a couple of decades it's very new thing um and we'd much rather probably stare into a fire than (laughs) than write emails or understand things like these to kind of round up our conversation and thank you for your generosity throughout it. I feel I've, I've learned so much and discovered so many things um, and I'm very grateful for you sharing your wisdom. Um, when it comes to kind of using this sort of education to help ourselves make better decisions, what does it look like when it works? Because that's the least sexy, least interesting part. Uh, I think that many people don't talk about. What does privacy look like when it works? Uh, what does security looks like when it works, like in real life? So what does you know, being cyber savvy uh, look and feel like when it's part of your habits? That's, that's a really great question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before, right? <laughs> it's, it's kind of... Um, I think I think what it looks like when it works is that my dad doesn't phone me up and ask me whether this is a scam, right? So so that's generally what I get from family and friends is people coming to me saying, "Is this a scam?" When to me it's quite obviously a scam, but that doesn't mean that's that's bad that they shouldn't come and ask me. I'm glad that they do. But what it looks like when it works is silence, is peace, is is I get five minutes to myself without people asking me, is this a scam? Uh, should I do that? Or I clicked on that, what happens next? Or or um, I, I was on the phone to Microsoft and they asked me to download this. And, you know, and then I'm like, right, right, unplug your computer, take everything offline, let's deal with this separate, you know, and, and things like that. So 
Um, I, I, th- I think I, I think the the honest answer to that is um, it, it, it becomes silence, um, and and then and then I, I, I dread that because I think well, what am I going to do then <laughs> once I get that silence? You know, um, I, I, I think I think cyber savviness for the person who has the cyber savviness. I think it gives them an internal smug feeling um, that they spot that stuff. You know, ah, you can't get past me. You know, uh, that they think, uh, yeah, I, 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 I know that. I know that's a scam, and 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 that gives them that really good feeling. I, I think that then can build a bias. That can build an invincible bias. Then, which we have to be careful of. Um, uh, where maybe the the videos go next, to to be quite honest. But um, yeah, I, I I think I think that's what it is. It's it's silence and quietness for me, and it's smugness for the other for, for the other guys who 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 just pause, just pause and go, yeah, that that doesn't quite feel right, and they've got that gut feel inside that lets them know, you know, that spidey sense. That's that's what I'm after. And, and you're you're doing a brilliant job at it. Thank you so much, Ian. This has been a wonderful conversation. And uh, I wish I could, you know, keep you here for many, many hours to dig into so many other things. But there are so many other people who need you. Uh, and I'm very lucky to have had uh, an hour to spend with you talking about all of these things. Um, really looking forward to seeing what you do next and uh, extremely excited to share this with people who are looking to expand their understanding of things and and build that uh, critical thinking muscle that we're all going to need moving forward. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. You can find links to all the resources we mentioned in the show notes. If you have feedback, please share it in a review on iTunes or any other podcast app you're using. I want to understand how to make the show better and more useful for everyone involved. You can always reach me on my blog or on Twitter. You can also subscribe to the weekly email I send. It comes packed with great resources focused on, what else, decision-making. Don't be a stranger and thanks again for listening.